just you. Hello, party people, and welcome to the Party of One podcast, the RPG podcast that's built for two. I'm your host, Jeff Stormer, and I'm super happy that you could join me today. This week, I'm joined by Jason Ashley, host of the Too Cool for Tabletop podcast, to play a game of Scarlet Heroes, written by Kevin Crawford. Scarlet Heroes is a great game, and a huge inspiration for the show itself. It's a retro D&D hack that's explicitly built for the kinds of single-player games that are featured on Party of One, and I'm super happy to finally get to play it on the show. A link to the game's website can be found in the show notes. (laughs) Just as a quick content warning... While fantastical and pulpy, this episode does deal in some darker subject matter at points. If child death, or undeath, rather, is something that might trigger you, be aware before you listen. And one last thing before we get started. Do you like tabletop games? Do you like me? Do you have a cool thing to promote? Do you not have a cool thing to promote, but you just like playing games? Then send me an email at partyofonepodcast.gmail.com and come on my show. I'd love to have you. Alright, with all that out of the way, I'm going to throw it over to me in the past so I can get things rolling. Take it away, past me. Thanks, future me. This week, I'm sitting down with Jason Ashley from the Too Cool for Tabletop podcast. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. So, um, before we get started, why don't you take a moment and describe Too Cool for Tabletop, because I love this show. Well, essentially, the premise is I GM some games for people who know nothing about tabletop games. They've never played them, and in general, they're just not interested in them. So the kind of point of the show is to see if I can convert someone who knows nothing about it or someone who really doesn't want to play or care about it into a fan of playing it because I'm a firm believer that really everyone like would like it if they got into it because i mean it's essentially playing pretend and that's something everyone did as a kid and i feel like you lose that as you get older so my show is essentially a way for people to feel like hey it's okay to pretend like you're a little kid again and do make-believe and it's still fun and appropriate so that's kind of the general idea I love that because I some of my favorite experiences has been with people that are like, oh, I don't think I would like this. And I'm like, well, just sit down. Yeah. Let's give it a try. And then by the end of it, they've been some of the best players that I've ever had. Well, it always it blows my mind. My wife has very uh, I mean, she's very supportive of me playing and the social aspect of it. And she uh, you know, is very happy with the podcast and she likes that I do it. But she's not a person that's into that sort of stuff. And she's very, very much so the opposite. And any time I've sat down with her, like our next couple of episodes feature her. She came back to be a guest. She's like one of the best players I've ever played with. And it drives me nuts because I'm like, you're so good. Why don't you? you like this she's very just thoughtful and intuitive about what her character would do and feel she thinks outside of the box all the time like it blows my mind I'm, i just it almost pisses me off it's like i really wish you liked this because you're so damn good at it yeah i get i get that feeling a lot so this week we're going to be playing scarlet heroes by sign nomine publishing it's sort of a rare game in that it is actually designed for a single player as opposed to a game that we've sort of retrofitted into a single player format So um, why don't you describe to us briefly your character that you're playing this week? So I want to preface this with saying that I have GM'd every tabletop game I have played for the past six years. I have not played a character in a long time, probably almost a decade, so I'm really pumped about this. 
Um, so essentially, uh, I based my character, as I told you, on uh, Denzel Washington's character in the movie Man on Fire. My character is named Gareth Agora. He is essentially like an ex-soldier. He, you know, was part of some uh, kingdom's army, a military guy. And as he got older and retired from duty, he effectively decided to become like a four-hire bodyguard, mostly just to kind of pay the bills so that he would not be, uh, you know, homeless. He's very shut off. He doesn't have a whole lot of humanity left. I wouldn't say he's like a mean character, but he's just not social. He doesn't really have any connections to people. They don't. He, they don't matter a lot to him. So he he gets hired by this noble family that has a small child, and over time of kind of protecting them, he gets attached to this child, and he kind of starts to regain some of that soul of who he used to be, you know, before so combat could, and war turned um, him into this like grizzled veteran. And lo and behold, yeah. something happened. Um, the family was attacked. The child was abducted. I uh, He doesn't know. Well, I don't know. I'll, this will kind of be up to you since you're kind of jamming the game. But in my mind, he didn't really know who, who took the child or what took them, whether it was some sort of monster or, you know, some other enemy faction or something. So he's his quest is to essentially collect clues, kind of play detective, hunt down whoever did this, and kill them. And he doesn't know that if this child is alive or not, but secretly deep down, like, he kind of hopes they are, because, you know, otherwise he's going to get to the end of his journey, and, yeah, he's going to kill whoever did this, hopefully, but once that's all said and done, you know, what's left for him? So that's kind of where I'm at with this guy. So let me ask you, how long ago was uh, she taken? Um, I like the idea of this starting like almost immediately uh, okay. after. Like this just happened, or maybe you know, in terms of our story, maybe it happened a slight while back, and he's been investigating for a while. Yeah, but uh, sure, yeah, okay. Yeah. So you've been investigating it for a few weeks, and we open on the tarnished remains of a bandit camp after a, a large battle. Okay, as you'd been uh, digging up clues, and you found. You found a name, the Gila Monster Gang. Gila Monster Gang. You don't know quite why they took her or what they've done after, but you have a name. And um, even better, you have the name of not a current member of the gang, but somebody who was associated with them around the time that she was taken, so the last few weeks. Okay, okay. So we on so we open on the bandit camp of Dowrin Lashley, former member of the Gila Monster Gang, the people that took her. These tracked this gang down over several days. You found where they were they had been sort of hiding out. Okay. And we open on sort of the final stages of the battle between you and this gang. Okay. So we're gonna open on a combat between you and the last of the Kings of Diamonds, which is his new posse. It's a sort of a large open-air encampment, a lot of makeshift deerskin tents and sort of ramshackle huts. Alrighty. Barrels of wine and stolen food scattered about, some small treasure chests that they've stolen from nearby villages, and you stand in a clearing staring down Lashley and six of his men. How are they armed? I mean, just at first glance, what are these guys um, carrying? Not great armor, sort of leather, maybe some scale mail. And then they all kind of have short swords, hand axes, that kind of thing. Smaller okay. weapons. Smaller weapons, things that they could conceal, things that they could um, sure. fight fast with, that kind of thing. Makes sense. They're bandits. Um, yeah. Really quick, just kind of delving a little more into my character. I, I know sure. you've seen my character sheet, but I very specifically gave him a two-handed sword mm -hmm. and leather armor. And I've my I kind of envision him as... 
He doesn't wear heavy armor because he is more about intimidating someone down to not even fighting with him. When he does fight, it's all pure aggression and just, you know, rage and stuff like that. So, cool. Um, so that, that's how I'm seeing this guy. So anyway, so I'm staring down Lashley and six of his men, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. And so remind me here because I'm jotting these sure, notes sure, down. Sure. Um, so Lashley was the leader of the Gila Monster Gang, is that the correct? The leader of the Kings of Diamonds. He was a former low-ranking member of the Gila Monster Gang, who were gotcha. the ones that took her. So this is like his new gang then. He, he's he's since left and upgraded to his own gang. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, Okay. Um, well, steering them down, I kind of, um, you know, eye each of them. I mean, are they, like, coming towards me? Are they just kind of waiting for me to make a move? They're kind of circling you, weapons in hand, you know, ready to start brawling, but not quite sure when to make the first move. Gotcha. You've taken out a good number of them already. Okay. These are sort of the last few guys left. All right, so they're, excellent. So they're a little bit intimidated already. So they're not quite rushing in, but they're certainly ready to fight when the fight starts. I, I take my two-handed bastard sword and kind of eyeing each of them just like stone-cold, hardcore, as deeply as I can stare into these guys' souls. I take my two-handed bastard sword and turn directly towards Lashley, and I take the sword and just um, shove it straight into the dirt between my feet and let go. So it's essentially just standing blade down in the right. dirt. I look at him and kind of as the other guys circle me and I just tell him in like the grimmest, deepest voice I can muster, tell your men to turn away and walk away and no one else has to die. I only have questions. He looks at you and he kind of laughs. Looks like the numbers say that we won't be running at all. (laughs) Okay. I just kind of shake my head and... Not like laugh, but kind of this deep chuckle, just kind mm-hmm, of like, mm-hmm. all right, man, this is how you want to do it. Um, I I pull the sword out of the ground with just one hand, kind of showing off that it's a two-handed sword, but I can pick it up with one yeah, hand, sure. kind of position it around to where I can kind of swing with it, and I just pick up a hand, and I just point around the circle and stop on one of the guys who's circling me and just point at him and say, you. That's so cool. All right, yeah. So let's, uh, let's dive into some combat. All right. So the way uh, combat works in Scarlet Heroes is since neither side has surprise on the other, you'll always go first. So the first thing you're going to do is roll your character's fray die. This represents, like, minor strikes. Like, a good example is if you picture a Jackie Chan movie, these are sort of the strikes that you're putting on lower-ranking guys before gotcha. you do a cool set piece. Essentially, it's just the assumed little bits of combat that happen between the big attacks and things yes, like that. Yes, exactly. All right, so do I need dice for this, I guess? That would be helpful. Yeah, I guess that happens in role-playing games. Well, I have a whole bag of them here, so my fray die is a D8, right? Yes. All right, let's uh, find it. All right, everyone listening, sorry that I'm not prepared, but it should give you a better idea how my show goes. (laughs) Usually I'm like, why don't you guys prepare? Put your phones away, get your stuff out, and I'm the exact same way when the tables are turned. Well, I'm finding every kind of die except for a D8. Uh, (laughs) Not always how it goes. Found it. All right. So let's do this. A one. Super duper. You knock a few guys around, but none of them go down. So now um, you're going to take a roll of your uh, major attack. Okay. And this is D20? Yeah. All right. Let's hope this is better than a one. And so correct me if I'm wrong, the way this works, and I'm assuming you're adding it up on your end, I'm rolling a d20, I add my strength modifier, Yep. 
and, and then I add their armor class, and yep. if that's 20 or better, I hit them. Yep, and then you also add your attack bonus, which is plus one. Oh, super. Okay, so I'm already getting a plus two. Let's see. I got a five. Apparently, I'm pretty weary from this battle so far. Yeah, you've been, you're feeling it after taking out a bunch of guys. You lay into them, you knock them around, but they kind of are sort of, you know, deflecting your blows, they're blocking your sword, and then he, uh, Lashley just points at you and says, says, now get him! And all the guys sort of bum rush you. Super. In the middle of the thing, so I'm gonna roll their attacks. Your armor class is seven, correct? Correct. All right. So that means seven. Um, yeah. So they, so you've they you um weren't able to land any blows on them, but These conversely, they're not able head. to land any blows on you either. Ah. The you're sort of they're they're rushing you, but these guys are sort of green. They're sort of young. They don't quite know how to fight, especially against a trained soldier. Well, I'm imagining too, out of a little bit of desperation, I'm kind of swinging this sword wide and kind of in circles around me to keep them away. So that probably aid in them not landing one on me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, cool. So they're sort of brushing them off. So it's so it's your turn again. Okay. So you can uh, roll your fray die. Alrighty. Better than a one this time. A two. All right. Okay. So you take out one of the guys. Okay, good. I'm changing. So how do you uh, D8, how do you take him way. out? I'm taking him out like he's he's dead after this. Yeah. All right. So um, as he kind of one of them kind of lunges towards me with like kind of this crooked looking rusty dagger. Clearly, he's not important enough to have a nice weapon. Mm-hmm. He kind of lunges towards me, and um, I kind of slide a little bit, grab him right about where the elbow is, and hold my sword up and just pull him straight into it like lengthwise. So it just kind of cool. cuts against his chest and his collarbone, cuts him pretty deep, and I just pull him to the ground in like a pile below me. And as soon as he lands at my feet, I just look at Lashley again, and I point down at the guy. Like I imagine I'm bleeding and sweating and just pissed, and I point down at the guy and tell him, one down, only five until I get to you. As you say that... The other five guys pause. They look at you, they look at their friend, (laughs) they look at Lashley, and they drop their weapons and put their hands up. Yeah, they do. Lashley is looking at them, and looking at you, and looking at them and saying, Really? (laughs) Guys, come on. Oh, come on, guys. So he is going to rush at you with a desperation. Yeah. And he, Lashley, is a little bit bigger than these guys. He's a little more muscular and a little more ready to fight. And he has two kukris in his hands. And he's going to rush at you. And he looks cool, but he's not trained in two-weapon fighting. Mm. So he's sort of just swinging wild, and you're able to just kind of, like... Even even though it's a two-handed sword, so it's not exactly made for defense. Sure. You're still kind of able to just, like, brush his hands aside. Cool, cool. Uh, so, so you can, yeah, you can go ahead. Um, your fray die is not going to work on uh, Lashley. Yeah, he's not a like a henchman guy. Yeah, it, the way it works is the fray die works on anybody that's equal to or lower your uh, level. Mm, okay. Um, well, what I want to do is since he's that close to me and he's apparently kind of sucking at these swings, I want to take kind of my offhand kind of. I'm still holding my sword, but I kind of let go with one hand so that, I mean, it, I realize it's kind of leaving me moderately defenseless, but I want to kind of reach through all his swings, grab him by the collar, and pull him towards me and just headbutt him. I want to try and, like, right. break his nose, something to, like, knock him out. Sure. Okay, you can go ahead and roll that. All right. 
20. Yeah. Right. He's out. He is just... Excellent. You take him down. He goes down. He starts crying. <laughs> yes. He's, yeah, he completely betrays the cold demeanor of a bandit that he has put forth. <laughs> and it's just like, ow, yeah. I do love. I do love demoralizing people, so that sounds great. So he's kind of got his hand. He drops the the kukris. He puts his hands up. Just uh, please, I don't, I don't want to die. Please, I, I'll do anything you ask. Just you said you had questions. I have answers. I think maybe. At this point, have all his other men run, like run away? Yeah, yeah. They, um, well, they haven't run away. They've sort of just uh, they've had their hands up, and now that he's down, they've all sort of gotten on their knees, hands mm-hmm. behind their head. You know, properly like we. There's no chance of us doing anything. Gotcha. Okay, um, I want to sheathe my sword. Okay. Um, with my, uh, not with my offhand, but my, you know, my main attack hand, I just grab uh, Lashley by the shirt and kind of pull him up to, like, not face level, but essentially just pulling him up off the ground. I just shoot a look to the other bandits, and I tell them, uh, you know, all the coin on his person, I'll split it with the rest of you, make a perimeter and guard me, let me know if anyone's coming. And uh, I drag him towards the center of the camp, kind of some place where I can sit down one on one with him. Sure. So, uh, what do you want to know? I, 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 I got to warn you. I've I haven't run with them in a while. They started doing things I didn't like, and I bailed. Just for some color, for the first few sure. moments, as he's kind of spitting out like warnings and cautions and excuses, I'm just staring at him, pacing back and forth, like not saying anything, just really trying to intimidate the hell out of him, um, until finally I just kind of sit down in front of him and kind of lean forward and say, why, um, well, really quick, um, I'm asking you, Jeff, directly, sure. uh, since I never defined it, this child, is it a boy or a girl? I'm going to say a, a young girl named Karaya. I've been thinking about this. Okay. C-A-R-A-Y-A. C-A-R... Okay, so um, anyway, I look at him just under my breath. Why did they take Karaya? I, you know, we did a lot of things. I wasn't privy to those kinds of decisions. But I can tell you this. I stopped running with them because they started dealing in Tide stuff. Tide, um, the, the Crimson Tide mm. is a term for the dark magic that is washed over the region. I gotcha. Hell, hell magic, basically. They started dealing in Tide stuff, and I wasn't down with that. That's not what I'm about. So I bailed. They, There was a guy that they dealt with in AG that was real interested in collecting children. I, It was not my bag. I didn't like it. And if you head in there, my, my boys got your back. <clears throat> they don't know if, they don't know what we can do. I don't know what we can do, and I don't know if she'll be alive when you get there. But it's something, mm. and it's the best I can give you. Um, I reach down and kind of grab his hand, almost kind of like I'm pulling him up, thanking him. And I kind of pull it close to me, and holding his hand, I take my other hand and place it on like his thumb and kind of put a little bit of tension on it and just staring straight into his eyes. And I'm like, how do I get there? It's about three days to the northeast. If you take the main road, it'll take you right there. You just go straight through. You pass through. You pass through the. You pass through the Goblin Village. They won't give you any trouble. Once you get there, you, um, if you speak to Zig Dolpa, he owns the Cackling Crow. He and I are on good terms. He should give you everything you need to know about it. Please don't break my thumb. I like my thumb. It's opposable. I use it to open things. What was the name of the place? The Cackling what? The Cackling Crow. Crow. And this is in the Goblin Village. 
This is uh, in the town of AG, which is past the Goblin Village, which uh, is on the way. Okay. As he says about don't break my thumb, I just kind of loosen my grip on a little bit, and I say, you don't have to worry. I wasn't going to break your thumb. And then while I'm still holding his hand, I just bend it back and snap it at the wrist. Oh, God. Um, I'm essentially trying to get him to scream out, because the, sure. the way I envision this, we've kind of walked away from the bulk of the group. They've made a perimeter. I've kind of got this guy isolated, maybe in like a little tent mm-hmm, or something. Mm-hmm. I want I want those men to hear him screaming. I want them to hear he- him being tortured. He cries out in just the, like, As soon as he opens his mouth to cry, I just, my other fist just clock him straight in the nose. Like, every time he starts to make a noise, I beat him further. Um, And I want this to go on for just a few brief moments. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I have no intentions of killing him, but I'm going to leave him there, and I want him broken and bloodied so that if anyone else of his men comes back, they see what was was done to him. Sure, sure, sure. There's, like, a long shot of just, like, the guys sitting around, and they're just hearing no... They're hearing a scream, and then a punch, and a scream, and then a punch, and then there's a wipe to you walking along this main road. Uh, that is very gratifying. <clears throat> so, um, it's about three days, maybe a little bit shorter, because you're walk- cause it's on a road. Mm-hmm. Uh, you pass through the Goblin Village to discover it has been, dis- it's smoldering ruin. Mm. Something very, very big and very powerful has just laid waste to this entire village. And you see, as you sort of study it, you see a great deal of footprints. Very small footprints moving in sort of rapid succession around the slightly larger goblin footprints. And those small, those small aggressive footprints seem to point back towards the northeast, where you're heading. Okay. Kind of looking at that and around the camp, I mean, I, I'm assuming I can do, di- I mean, because you said it, I can differentiate between the goblin footsteps and these yeah. other ones. Um is there anything about that that's familiar? Is there anything that I might recognize looking at the rest of the ruins? Like kind of doing any sort of um, observing or investigation that I can. Does anything stand out that gives me any kind of clue? There's a gr- There are... Make me an intelligence roll using one of your skills as well if you feel like it would work. Um, I have one point in keen detection. Perfect. All right. So use that in your intelligence. All right. Well, I'll have zero intelligence. Oh, it's um, 2D, so. it's 2D8. Oh, 2D8. That's how we do skill checks. All right. So 2D8. I have zero these, in intelligence. More of these D8s. Hey, man, the that D20 saved me at the end, so I'm okay with it. Six and an eight, so 14. Um, Great. Plus one, so 15. Great. Um, in your, stu- like in your uh, studies, you've heard of a small sect of cultists that that were supposedly wiped out pretty easily in this area called the order of the mistborn they had an interest in conjuring things from beyond Hmm. and you see that among the among the ruins there are several like ashen runes of this order that have been seemingly like laid out as though as though it was some sort of ritual okay but you also notice that the runes are a little bit sloppy almost as though this was not excuse me this was not the final form of whatever they were doing this was merely like a trial run or something mm. like it was not it's not polished okay so the, i get the impression these were not professionals like this is something that was either rushed or done by someone not super familiar with the process yeah okay. yeah all right cool well i mean i feel like at this point i really just have to keep traveling Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, because um, I just footprints to follow before I leave the town. Any of these kind of you said so more or less like some of these runes and like 
ritual sort of things? I mean, have they been like drawn in the sand or have like how um, how are they scattered appearing? scattered with ash and salt? Okay. Sort of just on the ground itself. Before I leave, I want to just with my boot like knock them all away. Essentially, just kind Perfect. of cl- cool. clear it out, and yeah, then then, then I keep traveling. Cool. Um. So the the rest of the journey is uneventful. You arrive at the town of Ag, which is a small riverside community, a port community. It's nice. It's fine. You know, there's <laughs> cobblestone streets and cottages. It's quiet perhaps a little bit too quiet for your liking but it's mm-hmm. otherwise unremarkable okay as i make my way in i mean are there like people out walking the streets or is it pretty i mean how how i mean do i see people i guess is my question there's a few people they give you a look like they're not super happy to see someone coming in mm. that they don't recognize yeah but they're also not like drawing weapons on you per se <laughs> Do I stand out pretty dramatically against the people in this town that I've seen I'd so say, far? I'd say so, because these people are as suburban as you can get in sort of a, a fantasy setting. <laughs> fantasy suburbia. All right, I like yeah. it. Um, this, is a, this is a nice community. Okay. I like that they live next to a goblin community. It's like the bad part of town next to the nice part of town. Um, all right, so... I did not even think about that when I wrote it out, but that... Yeah, I like that. It sounds like a place I grew up in. That's just weird. But uh, no, um, is there any way for me to kind of like once I'm mostly, you know, maybe once people have passed me, I can kind of duck into an alley. I mean, do I have enough clothing? I can like pull a hood up some sort of yeah, way to yeah. make me not you've so got a, conspicuous. You've got, a, you've got a cloak or something that can kind of you can drape around yourself. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm dirty and sweaty and covered in blood and I didn't stop to like bathe. So I'm not going to be super cleaned up, but I don't want to. I don't want to like stand out like a sore thumb. I want to kind of blend in as much as I can. Sure. Um, all right. Have I been to this town before? Do I kind of know where I'm going, or do I need to really investigate? Um, it's not a necessarily large enough town that you wouldn't know where you're going. You can find the, the if you're looking for the cackling crow, you can find it pretty easily. It's sort of the town is sort of built on the one road leading towards the docks, so oh, okay. you can find it pretty easily. All right, so I definitely want to head towards the Cackling Crow. Um, I, I want to go in unassuming. I don't want to like walk sure. in and like you know, but where is he? Blah blah blah. You know. So um, as I kind of get up, I mean, is uh, get up to the building. Is there like a a window I can peer through? I kind of want to see if I can hear if there's a crowd inside. If people are lo- loud and drinking, or yeah, if it's kind of yeah, quiet. You can- you can see through. Um, there's a big window with a painting of the crow, of a crow on it. A mm-hmm. Painting of the crow. A painting of a crow on mm-hmm. it. Um, Paint, a painting of Brandon Lee as the crow on yeah. it. I like it. So you peer inside, and it's sort of a. It's a little more raucous than you than than what you're seeing in the town around you. A uh, few okay. more people look like. Um, for you, more people look like you. Okay. Super. In terms of like, yeah. Um, as I go in, I mean, I, I want to walk in, but I want to kind of stammer around, kind of acting like I've been drinking. Sure. Um, I'm not going to really make eye contact with anybody as best as I can. I mean, well, let me ask. I imagine even cloaked, I've got this giant two-handed sword on my yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can you can hide your armor, but you can't hide that sword. Man, are there other people inside carrying it, or am I going to be like, hey, there's that guy there are- with a giant sword? Your sword's probably larger than most of the weapons there, but yeah, there are is. certainly weapons sitting on tables, and no one, no one inside the bar really gives the sword a second okay. glance beyond oh, cool. maybe a, like a, whew, that's a nice little, that's a nice piece there. <laughs> All right, cool. 
All right, so I kind of, uh, as I, you know, push through the door, I want to kind of like stumble a little bit, kind of, uh, I mean, I don't want to look like I'm a sloppy drunk bum, but I want to look like a little, you know, a little out, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, a little worn out, a little, uh, you know, under the weather, just kind of, I want people to notice that I'm there, but I want to stand out solely as like, hey, there's that drunk guy walking around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As I walk in, though, um, I want to kind of, eye the room corner to corner. I, I imagine as a soldier and military, I know how to size up like a, a crowd and kind of check my exits and things like that. So I want to kind of glance around the room and see if anyone immediately stands out, anyone that I think I need to be concerned about. Um, nobody, well, make me, a, make me a role using your wisdom and your keen detection. Okay. Unless you think one of your other abilities might work better. No. For like a perception thing. No, that's the best. Because my, my, okay. my abilities, I put keen detection, intimidating aura, and brutal force. Yeah, yeah. So give me a detection roll. All right. So this is wisdom. And so that's plus two to what I roll. Five, 10, 12 total. Okay. Yep. Um, you see one person in the corner sitting. They're, they're in. Everybody in this is sort of wearing not super different than what you're wearing. There's a lot of armor covered by cloaks. There's a lot of weapons. And then there's one guy in the most aggressively civilian clothes that, that, <laughs> and it sort of stands out in its normal, like in its normalcy. Gotcha. He's this too not, normal to be there right now. Yeah. He's too normal to be there. And he's almost too normal to fit in with this like super nice community. <laughs> gotcha. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and pretty much everyone else just looks like a regular tavern patron. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want to kind of walk in. Um, I want to di- very specifically pay no attention to the guy in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to approach him directly. So um, as I kind of walk in, as I kind of, I want to kind of try and, try and stumble through the crowd of people there to the bar. And as I walk past a few people, you know, anyone that looks kind of unassuming, I wouldn't be threatened by. I kind of slap them on the back and kind of laugh out loud, you know, essentially just acting like I'm out of my mind drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of wanting everyone to more or less, the idea being, and this is from personal experience, if I've ever been to a bar and there's some drunk guy walking around trying to make conversation with everybody, you try and avoid that guy. Yeah, yeah, that, you don't, yeah. I don't want people to want to talk to me. So I want to kind of make my way up to the bar, and when I get up there, kind of call the bartender down. You know what? I didn't note how much gold I have left on my character sheet. Um, uh, we can assume you like you you split some gold with the with the bandits, okay. so you, it can be assumed that you sure. have enough for whatever petty cash stuff you you gonna. Cool. Um, well, as I go as I go up there, um, are there like barmaids walking around taking drinks? Um, there's really just the bar. The uh, everybody's going up to the bar to get their drinks, okay. and um, then bringing them back to the tables. Um, I'm gonna order two drinks, uh, just okay. two two cups of ale from the bartender. And as he does that, I'm trying to make small talk with him. I'm really sticking to me being this annoying drunk guy deal. Yeah. So he's he's washing out a glass and he's rolling his eyes as you chat with him, <laughs> and he doesn't really he's like. Oh god. This is all too realistic, man. I'm gonna give you. I'm going to give you two more, and then I think that we're done for the night. I just give him a thumbs up and say, may the gods bless you, my good sir. Yeah, all right, buddy. <laughs> I got to go home. Yeah, this is pain. This is painfully, this is painful memories for me as yeah. well. Yeah, I'm drawing from real life in this scenario here. Same. All right. 
Uh, so, do I have the drinks now? Yeah, yeah, you All have right. the drinks. Um, I take them, and um, one of them, I just kind of turn my, my back to the bar, kind of towards the my audience, I guess, at this point. And uh, I look, look like I'm taking a drink, but I still have my cloak and stuff up, so I kind of just pour it. I bring it to my lips, just kind of pour it down me, okay. and just kind of laugh a little bit. Not all of it, but I'm still holding this other cup. I want Slow kinda, motion shot of you just pouring yeah, the beer on yourself. Exactly. And I kind of stammer back to the crowd again, um, and I kind of start. I want to start walking towards the table with the uh, the very clean cut, nice, dressed guy. Okay. Does he do anything as I start approaching? I'm I'm trying to be kind of he, obvious. He is sitting. He's got a drink in hand. He's got a mixed drink, and he's he's affecting this posture that looks to anyone from the outside like it's just a, oh i'm just enjoying my drink but because you're approaching him specifically and you've kind of had your eye on him it's way too still and way too like affected of a yeah i'm not you know i'm here to <laughs> yeah. relax okay i want to walk straight up to his table and like pull a chair out and then sit down and kind of laughing and being very like jovial the whole time. And I take the other cup and I sit it down and I kind of slide it out towards him. And I still have my hand on the cup. I'm just kind of holding it out in the middle of the table. And I just kind of loudly proclaim like, you look lonely. I need someone to drink with. Um, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. I, but, um, I interrupt him immediately. No, no, no. I put my my cup down and I start waving my hands around. I'm getting louder and louder. No, 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 good sir. Okay, yeah, okay, no, let's we'll drink. That's uh yeah, no need to make a scene. Hi, I'm I'm Zig. How are you? I, I kinda smile and say, Zig, it's a pleasure to meet you, and I'm still kind of holding the cup out in mm-hmm. front of him. He like slowly takes it. And, like, takes a sip. Well, as soon as he reaches for the cup, I want to let go of it and grab him by the wrist. Okay. Uh, do I need to make some sort of check to see if I'm... No, okay. no, no. He's um, he's not gonna... Okay. He's too, he's too afraid to put up a real defense. <laughs> right. um, well, seeing that... And I grab his wrist, and I'm assuming he gives me this look of, like, oh, my God, don't kill me or something. Yeah. Um, I kind of lean up over the table and pull him a little bit closer to me. And I say, finish your drink, get up, walk outside, and wait and, and find me. And I let go of him, and I walk outside. I'm essentially completely dropping all, you know, pretense sure, of me sure, being sure. drunk. So he, um, as you walk out, you kind of glance over your shoulder. You see him shaking. He goes for a drink. Most of it hits on his shirt because his hand is shaking too much. You go outside. A moment later, he is in the back with you. Okay. Um, I, I kind of... Uh, I'm being a little unnecessarily rough with the guy. Like, as soon as I see him, I kind of grab him. I'm kind of pulling him around. Gareth is the kind of guy who, at least in this scenario, the even his best friend who's going to give him the best information in the world, he'll beat him to a pulp to get the information. He doesn't care how nice they sure. are to him. I love that. So he's kind of dragging him around, kind of pulls him towards an alleyway and kind of pushes him up against the wall and says, um, um, Lashley sends his regards. And I just kind of wait uh, to see oh. his re- reaction. Oh, uh, oh, that's that's what this is about. Okay, what do you want? Because I'm out of I'm I'm a changed man now. I I have a I have a family. I don't. Uh, I interrupt him and say, "What you are is a man with bones that break and bones that I will break if you don't answer every question I have." Do you understand? That is a reasonable bargain. Um, how long has it been since this girl was taken? A few weeks, a few weeks. maybe like five, six weeks. Okay. What was the noble family's name? What like their last name? Um Feathercrest. 
Okay, so I, I ask him, Feathercrest, what does that mean to you? Uh, some pompous nobles from half the world over. That's they're you know I grab of no concern to me. I grab him by the throat and like press him deep against the wall, and I say, "What do you know about their daughter?" I kind of let go so he can talk, but I'm not happy that he called them something negative. Sure, sure. Um, you know, little innocent little child. I, you know, she again. They're of no concern to me. <clears throat> right now, they are of concern to you because they are of concern to me. A few weeks back, she was taken. I tracked down Lashley, and the information that I beat out of him took me to you. So you need to take me to the next step. This is about the Mistborn, isn't it? <clears throat> he just. I just nod my head looking at him. What do you know and how do I find them? I can take you to them. I've been trying to... I am a man who deals in information with various extra-legal partners. Mm. I have been trying to organize someone to oust these individuals from my town for some time now. That is how uh, Lashley came into my attention. He brushed me off. I suspect... If you put the fear into Lashley, as I suspect you did, then that is why he sent you to me. Mm. If you help me get rid of these men, perhaps they they have an interest in the young, particularly those with noble or magical heritage. I again, I can't promise if she's there, and I can't if she's there. If she was there, I can't promise that she's safe or alive. I kind of back off of him a little bit, um, still definitely very present in his face, but I'm kind of letting go of him. Um, I kind of rummage into my like my belt and pull off the pouch of gold, whatever I had left, and I kind of grab his hand and I put it in his hand. And very in a very difficult manner for me, I apologize for the way I acted to him. Not in a very not I'm not like oh I'm real sorry. I'm just like. I hope your throat feels better soon. <laughs> Things like that. And uh, I tell him... It's nothing a drink won't solve. I tell him that we're leaving now. He needs to take me to them immediately. Uh, the sooner the better. So the two of you embark. He kind of... He takes you on a very winding path through this. It's a small town, but he's kind of taking you through alleys. You know, he, he'll turn... He'll like nudge, nod his head and turn into a bar. And you'll spend a few minutes in the bar as he kind of like looks out the window and then signals again. Oh, really quick. Um, while we're walking, as we're doing this journey, I want to ask him... I want to describe to him the... Um, essentially what I saw at the Goblin Village. The ruins, the ritualistic writings and stuff I saw. Sure. The tiny little footprints. Ask him if he has any idea what that might be. I didn't realize they were that far along. It's good that you came to me when you did, because we're going to need to act even faster than I thought. They have been, with renewed vigor in the last few weeks, trying to conjure agents from... Agents... Tidespawn. Agents from beyond to do their bidding and to... in a desperate grab for power. Mm. Uh, And the, the Mistborn has been doing this? Yes. Okay. The Order of the Mistborn. I suspect if they were capable of conjuring things that could de- that could destroy an entire village, then they are much closer to their targeted goal than I suspect than I previously suspected. Okay, excellent. Well, not excellent. That that's a bummer, but <laughs> I'm glad I know that now. <laughs> Rad. Yeah. Um. So he continues to along this winding path, and he takes you. You're you're about. 
he takes you to the outside of a dilapidated abandoned chapel. This used to be where an order of clerics would provide healing spells. Cat, get out of here. It used to be where they would provide healing spells to the young, but um, a, but there was an accident. A man became scarred, and he took up residence in some caverns underneath. That people claim that that put a curse on the chapel, and they closed it down. Mm. I my information, my sources, my tracking suspect says tells me that this is where they're located. Make me a wisdom roll as he's sort of explaining this to you. Um, ten, eleven total. Um, okay, so. Yeah, so as he's talking, you're you're listening very intently, and you don't hear the snapping of twigs or the shuffling of tiny feet until what you do hear is a gurgling childlike scream as you look up and see a, a figure jumping towards you with a knife. It you sort of push it away, and you get a quick look at it. It is a zombified child with a knight with a large with a large knife i don't recognize this as carrier do i no 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 this okay. is just a random okay. child and then you see two more random children with knives uh jump at you as well is this also from real life are we drawing on real life inspiration with the small children Listen, with knives <laughs> bar trips in philly get weird apparently okay? <laughs> man i need to come visit i guess damn um, so you look around and there are a great many of these children there are about there are about uh eight of Oh God! I'm, in my notes, I'm writing eight murder children down because that's about how they sound to me. Yeah, that sounds about right. They're undead, you said. Yeah. So you, uh, so they failed their attack for their surprise action. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna so we jump into combat, which means that you get to go first. You get to roll your fray die. Okay. I'm gonna go with the better of the two, at least in my experience so far. Um, seven. All right, I, seven is two. So um, describe to me how you take out the first one, and then I'm going to have a tiny cutscene, and then you can describe how you take out the second. Well, as one of them's kind of charging me, I just rear my yeah. foot back as hard as I can and just punt it like a soccer ball, okay. and I just see it fly into a tree and just crack and hit the ground yeah. and go limp. So as you do that, as it hits the ground, there's a puff of smoke that starts to glow blue. Mm. And for a brief second, you recognize the face of the child, of the body that you just saw the child, smiling, eyes closed, looking peaceful and serene as that puff of smoke Mm. dissolves into the the ether. I feel like Gareth would really appreciate the fact that he's helping these kids now. I feel like that goes a long way in helping him feel like a person again. So he's... uh, a little bit of relief washes over him when this happens, but only for a moment because he's still, you know, got to get down to business. Sure, and, sure. And uh, I, I mess so, up a second one too, right? Yeah. Um, I imagine once I do that, I kind of, you know, out of the corner of my eye, seeing another one come in my way, and I take my broadsword and kind of flat side out, um, not trying to cut, but kind of smack it. I just swing and catch it on on the side of the head and just kind of spin it around into the ground. Okay. Uh, again, puff of, you know, each one of these comes with a puff of smoke. Mm-hmm. So roll me. Uh, now you can roll your attack. Okay. Um, all right. Okay. Cool. Uh, Fifteen plus uh, my strength and attack bonus. Okay. Yeah. You. Um, so you it's hit. seventeen then. Yeah. You you hit with ease. So roll your uh, d10 damage. 
I haven't had to roll damage yet. That's exciting. Yeah. The way damage works in Scarlet Heroes is um, it takes it takes from old school D&D where you have hit dice, mm-hmm. but instead of rolling hit points, you have each each monster has individual yeah. hit like so when you I deal one damage when you deal one damage to a low level thing, it that's why it takes them out immediately. Uh 5. That's two. So, no, that's one. Mm-hmm. That's one. So you take out one of them. Okay. Um, so there are five yeah. left. And that one's just a simple, like, as it's jumping through the air, I just, like a baseball bat, just swing at it and cleave it in sure. half. Um, so they all rush you. Uh, one catches Zig, and one catches you. Mm. Poor Zig. I forgot all about him. Zig? Uh, Zig goes down. You take two hits. Okay. So two that hit, uh, two damage. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay, uh, Zig is down. Zig is dead. Uh, he's down. Oh, he's not dead. Okay. Yeah, you'll um, have a scene later. Okay. Um, my turn now, I guess. Yeah. Is this another fray die moment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there are five left. I rolled a seven. So that's two. Okay. That's two hits. I imagine there's probably two on no, top. Hold on, I'm gonna pull it up real sure. quick. Because I don't remember if that's two or three. Either way, you can describe how you take out at least one of them while I pull up the book. Oh, I just, uh, I imagine that there's the ones that attack Zig are kind of still on him. So I just kind of run over and like kick him, you know, kick one of the kids off. I'm essentially trying to make sure my guy doesn't get, you know, murdered by zombie kids. Okay. Yeah, you take out two of them. Okay. So there's now three left. So I just grab two off his back and like throw them out into the woods and into trees and rocks and whatnot. Okay, uh, so now you can roll your attack. Okay. Uh, five, six, seven total. Yeah, so as you're doing that, two more uh, two more dive at, like a dive at your knees, and they take you out, and you go down to your knees before you can uh, get at them. Mm. So they're going to make their attacks. Two of them hit. Uh, so take one more damage as they they take you in the knees and then they kind of start like hacking away with the knives. One of them gashes your arm, but the other one is just kind of stabbing at your armor, not without without sort of without the human understanding that that's not going to that like a <laughs> kitchen knife is not going to. Yeah, cut through my thick like leather armor. Okay. Yeah. All right. So all right. So let's hit uh, fray die right. Yeah. Uh, one super. Okay, so you don't take any out with Frey Die. Okay, so let's get a 20 again. Uh, five again. This die likes five. Let's switch D20s for next time. All right. Um, so the, the three that are left have, have all sort of, like, they're on. So you're, like, sh- they're on you now. So you're, like, shaking them off of your arm as they kind of hold on to your arms and legs. Gotcha. Um, but they're not doing any damage. So okay. it's up, you're up again. Okay. Um, three on the Frey Die. Yeah. Okay. So you take one out. One's on my back, so I've, I'm close to like a like a tree or something, and I just like ram my back into it and just crush them up against it. Cool. And uh, a twenty. Yeah, I like All that right. die. Uh, we'll say you take out the other two. Okay. Um, I just grab them off my shoulders. I, I drop my sword and grab them with my hands and just smash their heads together like I'm smashing two eggs. 
Okay. I apparently perfect. have no concern that they're little children. I'm still just smashing the hell out of them. It doesn't bother me, I guess. Um, well, each each time you kind of get a glimpse glimpse of their like smiling face being released from this fleshy prison. So I like it's how sort of a... I like how that makes it okay. I could smash two kids' head together as long as in the end I see their smiling faces. But uh, hey, man, whatever works, I guess. Yeah. Hey, I mean, so um, so Zig is down. He kind of sits up. He's bleeding pretty heavily. And he kind of, like, gestures you to come close. Okay. I do. Whispers. Yeah, I kneel down to him. He, like, points to uh, a, some shrubbery, and he's like, there's a hidden entrance here that they used to they used to take particularly sick people into. I don't think the Order knows about it. If you sort of push those shrubbery aside, you should be able to sneak in from the other direction where they probably don't have it guarded. Mm-hmm. Does he look like he's in bad shape? Is he not coming with me? Is he about to he's die? Probably not com- he's probably not coming with you. He, uh, he might not die, but he's okay. probably not coming with you. He's going to like sit up against a tree and sort of like, ah, ah that hurts. All right. Um, That's what being stabbed feels like. <laughs> um, well, in, in, as quickly as I can, trying to speed it along, um, I take some of my camp gear and try to make him some sort of shelter uh, to some degree. Um, pulling leaves and stuff from around me and trying to make something that he can kind of hide himself. Cool, um, I'm cool. going gonna, gonna to leave my lantern with him and hope that he has a way to light it. Just essentially trying to make sure that if night comes and he's still there, he'll be able to survive. Okay. So do you head down the hidden entrance? Yes, let's do that. Cool. Uh, you, you go down. There's a hallway with a hidden door at the very end of it. Like you see the back half of the door mm-hmm. and you can see that it's supposed to look hidden from the other side but you can tell that it's a door because it's the only place that this hallway leads gotcha um i want to listen up against the door and see if i hear anything on the other side before i just barge through you hear uh high-pitched whimpers and whispers like those of children on the other side okay uh then i yeah definitely barge through okay um it's a bunch of there's a group of children about maybe a dozen of them they are tied up. They look at you. They look at you with fear and hope because you don't look like the other mm. the other people. Are you here to help us? Um, are they like chained up or in cages or anything? Uh, they're just they have their like hands hands tied mm. and um, almost just seeing this just sets my teeth on edge like makes my blood boil like without even answering the question i just immediately start pulling the ropes off of them trying to free them they all each of them as you do it kind of runs about through the way that you came Mm -hmm. it gives you like a maybe a hug or a peck on the cheek and Mm -hmm. then like runs and they're like thank you um as before the last one um well are they all about the same age or they're varying ages yeah they're yeah they're like uh, like ten to twelve ish. Well, I, I look for what I perceive to be the oldest, calmest one there before they There's run one out. That's about fourteen. Yeah. Um, I ask them, you know, is there any other place where they're holding children? And I and I ask if he knows anyone named Caria. I don't know any Caria. Um, this is the only. This is where they would bring all of the children. I've been here the longest of anyone. This is where they would bring us, and then they would take us back out. And he points. Um, a large open doorway mm-hmm. to what you can see like is a big open expanse mm-hmm. like a big open underground expanse they would take us out that way but they would bring us in here they would bring us in here um what are they doing 
What have they been doing to y'all? <sighs> Something magical. Beyond that, I'm not sure that I understand it. I am a child. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that the kid says, I don't understand. I am a child. <laughs> Wise um, child. Apparently. Um, pointing the direction where he told me they took them, I ask, what, what is that way? What lies there? What can I expect to find? The summoning chamber. No, that sounds good. Um, is it dark? I'm not asking him. I'm asking you. Like, can I see? Uh, it's lit? fairly poorly lit. There's a few. Can you can see the 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 hum of torchlight mm-hmm. or the soft glow of torchlight mm-hmm. in there, but it's still probably too dark to get a clear visual. Okay. I thank the the kid. Um, I tell him, you know, get the safety. Um, make sure the other kids because they're you know. I'm assuming they're a little bit younger than he is. Essentially, he needs to be the man. He needs to take care of them, make sure they all get back. Tell the authorities and send everyone you can. Send any willing adult armed this way. I can do this. All right. So I pat him on the back and send him on his way. Yeah, okay. He runs out like he's he's like there's a few kids straggling and he kind of pushes them like we got to go. We got to go now. This is our this is it. Uh so that you kind of see them go off. They seem okay. Okay. All right. Cool. So I guess I'm gonna kind of start heading that direction that he pointed. You said it's like a, kind of like an archway that leads into like a dimly lit hall or something. Yeah. Yeah. You take a you you head in. Is it like a big huge room or like just a, a hallway? It's a it's an archway into it's an archway with like a short foyer ish hallway, mm-hmm. and then there's a big open a big open room. Um. And looking listening that way, do I hear or see anything? I know it's kind of dimly lit, but is there anything immediately I notice? As you as you look, you start to hear the sounds of chanting mm. that are sort of echoing in the hallway, coming from both sides of the room. So, like, the far left side and the far right side, you hear chanting coming from both sides, sort of approaching the center of that big room. At this point, I feel that uh, Gareth is kind of... I mean, he just saw all these kids that were tied up, and uh, you know he's he's pissed. He's just very anxious to find her. Mm-hmm. He's kind of throwing caution into the wind. Before he heads all the way down that tunnel, I want to take um, one of my flasks of oil, okay, um, crack it open and pour it all over my blade of my sword. Okay. And then, since I don't have a lantern anymore, hit that flint and steel a few times until my sword okay. is essentially flaming. Until it lights up, yeah. I, that's awesome. That's exactly why I put that in my inventory, because at some point in this campaign, I knew I wanted to have a two-handed flaming bastard sword, because that just sounds badass. That is the coolest thing. Okay, so you've burst into the room. Yep. I'm just going in. Yeah, I'm walking in T-1000 style. Like I'm just not scared. I'm just there to kick ass and take names. Kick ass. All right, so uh, you go in. There's about four... Men in robes with sort of ceremonial knives. One of them has a book. He is in much nicer robes than the others. They look at you. Um, three of them. Three of them look at you. Look at their daggers. Look at you. Look at their daggers. <laughs> drop the daggers and run. Excellent. The the one with the book looks at you looks at the the summoning circle and starts laughing. I don't know how you found out about this, but it is too late. Uh, I, I'm assuming I don't see this little girl anywhere. No, no, she's not here. Um, I just charged that guy with the sword 
okay. up over my head. Like I am just full blood rage charging at this dude. Okay. Um, you charge him. You bring the sword down. He goes down. Mm-hmm. But as he does, you see that his blood drops into this carved out circle and oh, the symbol great. of the Order of the Mistborn. Son of a bitch. And he lets <laughs> out his last words. The Horagal comes. Great. You hear skittering from all sides as dozens of these little uh, demon children that you've been fighting sort mm. of crawl out from the walls on all sides. They crawl into the circle and they start, uh, their form starts changing. It starts becoming less, they sort of um, turn into this strange gaseous form and they start swirling together and they form into this hulking mass of bodies. Of dead children bodies. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, um, well, as soon as that forms, uh, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of myself here. No, go um, ahead. I want to pull, like, kind of start running towards it and pulling flasks of that oil out, and I'm just throwing it at it, trying to get them to, like, smash open on it. I'm essentially trying to get this thing covered in oil, so if I can land an attack, it'll also burn. Okay, um, so why don't you roll that as an attack, and then we'll just dive right into the, the final battle. All right. 11, 12, 13 total. Well, uh, is this to hit it or to throw the oil? Um, we'll say to throw the oil, or to hit uh, it. Well, to hit it with the oil. Okay, yeah. okay. Do you want me to do that as actually, strength or dex? Actually, you know what? No. What we'll, we'll say is that because it's an oil, because it's oil and it's going to splash everywhere and start a fire, Um, I'll have, I'll have him save for this. Okay. Yeah, so um, it catches fire. Okay. But you see that it's sort of just standing there and not even reacting to the fact that it is burning. Great. At least I'll be able to find it in the dark. That's the upside. Yeah, that's a good. That's an upside. <laughs> um, and it. Uh, I'm going to describe how this thing looks. It's sort of got these big, oversized, hulking arms and legs, mm-hmm. but they're all kind of connected to just this oversized, like this. Uh, its entire torso is made up of. A very angular, very demonic-looking face. Mm. And it does not have, like, what, it, what where a head would be. It just has the large head, torso, and then arms and legs. And it has uh, some webbing under its arms. Okay, all right. And now it is on fire. Yay! As though it needed, as though it needed to be any scarier. Yeah, great. Um, it. So that, what next? Is it wearing clown makeup? Like, how <laughs> more terrifying can this thing be? <laughs> Uh, it, uh, what it's going to do is it's going to tell you that it knows you from somewhere, but you don't remember it, and, uh, you have to have a conversation with it. No, it's going to, um, rear up, <laughs> and it lets out a bellow of fire of its own. Great. So I'm going to ask you to make a saving throw, which would be okay. 2d6 plus, uh, your level plus any relevant skill modifier. The difficulty Dude. is... Fifteen. So I'm rolling two d six plus dex plus what was the other? Um, two d six plus dex plus your level plus a relevant skill modifier. Oh, I have no skill. I have no traits or abilities to aid in that. Uh, so. We'll call it. We'll call it brutal force because we can say that you're just sort of punching through it. Okay, so, so I'm adding my level, which is one, my dex, which is one, my brutal force, which is two. So I'm adding four to this. Yep. Two d six, right? Two d eight. Two d eight. Oh, okay. Uh, seven, eight, nine, plus four, thirteen. Okay. 
Yeah, okay. Um, so you take two damage. Yikes. As you're sort of like, as you're sort of engulfed in flame. Okay. But you still sort of push through it, and then it's gonna, and then as you approach it to get into brawl with it, it's gonna four. Do I own four sided? There, there we go. Take an additional two damage. Holy crap. I only have two left. This is getting oh, uh, um I should have meant specified that you should have healed after the bandit fight. Oh just because okay. it's been a couple days. Well, so I think I didn't, you're up to like I didn't two take any damage at end the bandit fight. Oh I thought you did. No, I okay, took so damage you're in, so from yeah, you're, the little kids. So you're kids. in two. So yeah. you're in two. Okay, so it is now your turn. Okie dokie. Trying to think of how this is gonna work. Um now I don't recall glancing at the rule books. Do I have any sort of like dodge or prepare to be hurt sort of move I can make essentially to prevent additional damage on the monsters next turn? You do actually. Let me pull up the rule book okay. real quick. Sure, sure. Because there's a mechanic for uh defying death. Okay, is- yeah. So if you get to zero, you can always defy death, and I believe that gives you back all of your health. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some creative way to do this without just getting murdered. And so even looking at this monster that is made up of a bunch of, you know, zombified children, I'm still, I, I have seen no sign of this girl that I'm looking for at all. No, no, you mm. see no sign of her. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think of a creative way to use the other guy's body who I killed and I walked up to. Uh, can I just strap him to me with rope and make a body shield made out of another person? Is that is that a feasible action? Um, I will say, I will say, if you, I will say, you can throw him at the monster. So if you make an attack with your standard damage, if successful, um, it eats up and it eats up his turn. All right, cool. That feels like a fair trade. Well, then I do that. Um, cool. Taking these two big hits from this thing, um, I kind of turn back towards the guy who I killed, who I imagine is pretty cleaved from like his neck down to his like midsection. So um, I drop the sword for a second. Um, luckily, it's flaming, so I'll be able to find it. And I grab the guy essentially by his legs and just alley-oop and spin him around and hurl him at that monster. Okay. Roll your and attack. I'm really hoping for a good one here. 17 plus, do I add anything to that? Just your standard attack bonuses, uh, but you, you do hit. Okay, cool. I can I can, I can can say that. Okay. So uh, roll your standard damage, say roll your full d10, and then we'll say you can follow up with whatever other attacks you'd okay. like to. Uh, I rolled a 6. So that's 2. So you do 2 damage. And then my turn again? Yes, as it eats up his turn. His turn is... Um, grabbing the parts of this cultist's body and just shoving them in his mouth and devouring mm, them. Of course. Um, okay, because I'm so close to death here, I'm going to be a little more brave. Um, <clears throat> so Fortune I, favors the bolt. Yeah, as I, as I hurl that body, I, I grab my, my bastard sword. I unspool some, like I have 50 foot of hemp rope on me. I kind of unspool some, and while the thing is distracted, kind of eating this body, I'm running at it. 
and I, because it's tall, I'm gonna kind kind of try and duck under its legs, kind of slide, and kind of pull a Luke Skywalker with the uh, ATAT and take that rope and get it wrapped around its leg. So essentially, I can pull it and like trip the thing face first. Like I'm gonna try to run under its leg, wrap the rope around it, and then pull it to send it face first into the ground, so I can climb up okay. on its back. Okay, fantastic. Whew. All right, let's see. I could just say I hit it with my flaming sword, nope, but nope. this seems this cooler. cooler. This is way cooler. <laughs> All right. Come on, die. I could use another 20. I've had two so far. Uh, I just rolled it off the table. 17 again. All right. You hit it. All right. Yay. So roll your D10 damage. <clears throat> now, is this damage for, like, falling hardcore face first into stone floor? Yeah. Plus, coupled with the fire, coupled with, presumably, you can hit it some. I got a seven. Okay. Uh, it's burned up pretty good. It hits mm-hmm. the ground. It's kind of. It's going to climb to its feet. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a swing at you. It's going to hit. Mm. It's going to hit you for one. Whew. Man, I'm getting down to the wire here. <clears throat> so I'm like broken. Well, it is, it is as well. It bloody. is struggling okay. to stand. There's blood or some sickly black approximation thereof pouring out of its mouth. <laughs> All right. It's drunkenly fighting at this point where it's just wide swings. And Okay. Well, because I'm assuming I'm standing face to face with this thing and its face is about as mm-hmm. tall as I mm-hmm. am, mm-hmm. Um, I want to take my bastard sword and essentially like flip it to where I'm holding it upside down okay. and just raise it above my head and try and shove it like deep into its mouth. Like I'm okay. trying to shove it straight through the midsection. Um, and I, oh, I rolled a five. <laughs> oh no. Five plus uh, two, I guess. Unless I'm adding brutal force. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, <laughs> But I think I'm gonna that's say you are not, but I am gonna roll. I'm gonna roll for for fire. Okay, super. All right, it is also down to its last life. Oh shit! Okay, all right. Woo. So it's one and one. I really hope I dodge whatever he throws at me next. You do. You manage oh, to. Well, super. he connects and he sends you flying into a wall. Mm. You hit the wall. You land, but you land in um the terminator pose where you've got the one hand on the ground (laughs) excellent look it up at him of course i do do i still have my sword did i drop it or anything it lands it flips several times and Mm -hmm. it lands right in front of you yeah like plunge into the ground like it was with the bandits earlier a light from the torchlight hits it and it glints at the camera real quick just as you look up at it super i'm all about that well, because I'm feeling pretty brave, um, I just jumped to my feet and I pulled out of the ground and just with every ounce of strength, I overhand throw this big like two-handed flaming sword that's like whoo, whoo, whoo through the air sort of thing, just straight at it. Like I'm just trying to impale this thing. Cool. Roll it. Um, would I? Would this be strength or dex? Because we'll I'm call throwing it strength it. because it's well, such a big, heavy yeah. thing. And they're both. Pl- my, I have the same modifier, oh, well so it then, doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't really matter then. Come on, twenty. Son of a bitch. Five again, so six, seven. All right, it knocks your sword to the side. Oh God! Oh no! What have I done? And it runs at you. Okay. 
and it runs at you, but it's this big lumbering thing. Mm-hmm. So you're able to essentially, um, with your cloak, kind of bullfighter it. Mm. And it just collides hard into the wall. Excellent. And the whole building now, everything around you has started to shake and wobble with that impact. Between mm. you hitting the wall and it hitting the wall, everything around you is starting to shake. This whole structure is not long for this world. Gotcha. Um, and my sword has been thrown elsewhere. I'm assuming I can see it because it's on you fire. Can't see but it. it's. Um, is it close enough that I can get it and get back to make an attack? I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, well, let's keep being brave. I've got more rope. Okay. Um, and this thing has its back to me. I'm assuming it just charged yep. into the wall. While it's yep. kind of disoriented, I'm going to take that rope and kind of throw it over it, trying to climb okay. up on its back, kind of lassoing this thing. So essentially, I'm going to try and position this thing to if parts of the roof start falling. I can get him underneath it and then like jump off. So perfect. That's awesome. I'll make I'll make my my uh, attack. Uh, Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. You hit it. I'm going to say roll 1d8. We'll say 1d... Yeah, we'll say 1d8. This is damage? Yeah. Okay. As long as you don't roll a 1. I rolled a 7. He's gone. Oh, yeah. The thing crushes him, and he falls backwards on top of you, and you're sort of initially pinned to the ground. Mm -hmm. But with your prodigious strength and your brutal force, you're able to throw him off. Mm. And as you do that, like, he kind of, in the same way that those children did earlier, he starts to, like, smoke and smolder and dissolve into nothingness. As you hear this cherubic chorus of singing... And like glowing light as he dissipates into nothingness. <laughs> nice. But as as that happens, like the 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 collapsing roof gets a fever pitch. So I'm going to need you to roll a skill roll to get to just make a blind dash either forward or backwards to get out of here as the thing collapses. Alrighty. And this is two we'll eight. Yeah, and we'll say the number is eleven. Okay. Am I using my dex to run? Yes. So right. plus one. So plus three total. Um, I rolled six, so seven. So nine. Total. So um, so what's going to happen now is you're going to defy death. Yo, boy. If I'm going to roll this d4, if it puts you to, if it puts you to zero, if you if you if it if it deals you, yeah. So um so you retain your one health. Mm-hmm. So what happens is it's collapsing and you're sort of you're 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 underneath it and the roof is collapsing and you sort mm-hmm. of shrug him off but you see that like the door that like the doorway is clo- is fall like there's rocks falling to seal the doorway to seal you in. Okay. But at the last moment you see you see or you hear the voice of Kariah, and you remember mm. that the, the you you remember you know that your search is not yet over, so you're able to just grab this one giant boulder and throw it to the side, and you see as you do that you get a gl- you lo- you glimpse down and you see the book that that cultist was holding and you see mm-hmm. a list of names in it so you kind of kick it up grab it and run okay. You make it out, and you make it out just as the town guard, led by this brave 14-year-old child. That's a good kid. I like that kid. It's a good kid, right? Um, he, he comes out, like, they've all arrived, and they see you 
battered and broken, but like still standing as you sort of slump next to your friend Zig with the ledger in hand and you can look through the list of names. Okay. You go through it and it's a list of, and it's a list of all these different, you recognize some of the names as noble families and some of Mm -hmm. them as like noted wizards and mages. Okay. Karai is not on there. So, so why ever, so for the, so for whatever reason they took her, they didn't give her to these people. Okay. You can't say that she's, you can't say that she's safe yet, but at least she wasn't here for this. Yeah. So, I'm assuming that's some sort of relief to to Gareth because, you know, he she definitely wasn't one of the kids that he let escape. Yeah. But it also means he's not. She wasn't one of the kids that he just caught on fire and let get crushed by a bunch of uh, boulders. <laughs> but uh, wow, all right. So yeah, he may not have found her, but at least he he knows that she wasn't here, and he knows that she's still out there somewhere. So his search continues. His search continues, but at least he saved these children this yeah. time. I'm sure he feels pretty good about that, but being that he is a very singular-minded mm-hmm. sort of man, um, like I feel like before he even rested up from his almost from his like moments away from death, he's already like ready to go and keep looking. That's the kind, that's the kind of guy Gareth is. As he's getting ready to leave, Zig on on a like a with a cane now he walks with a cane mm. like greets him on the outskirts of town you could stay there you could we you know we could use more men of heroic statue like you the people around here quiet and comfortable but we could use a man like you here he just uh with without even thinking about it he just shakes his head uh, gareth just shakes his head um you know he's got a job to do, and since if no one else is going to do it, um, you know he's the man responsible. I wish he smoked so that way he could take a cigarette and just flick it and walk away like a Clint Eastwood style. Mm-hmm. But uh, walks but, off into the sunset. Yeah, that's the kind of guy I see him as. He's like Clint. Yeah. East, he's like Clint Eastwood mixed with um, what's that guy's name? Uh, Russell Crowe. That's how I envision this guy. That's perfect. Yeah. So he walks off into the sunset as as his friend, as his new friend Zig watches him. He looks, and there's a brief moment of calm as he walks off into the night. <laughs> I dig it. And that's game. <laughs> I dig it, man. That was pretty oh, cool. Oh, that was so much fun. Yeah, like I said, it's, uh, it, I don't know, it's, 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 it was awesome because, as I said before, man, it's been so long since I've gotten to play a game and I was, uh, at no point was I like nervous. I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, I really hope I catch, I remember how this goes, but it's a lot easier to play a character than it is to run a game. I, I missed the simplicity. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I get that. Yeah, I did no prep. Like, I sent you a character sheet mm-hmm. earlier in the week, and then I just waited until today. <laughs> That's all I had to uh, do. It was really awesome. Well, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, man, um, I had a blast. So I thank you so like much for coming on the, the show. Um, where can people yeah. find you on Twitter, find the podcast, et cetera, and so forth? Um, you can go to twocoolfortabletop.com, and that's not like the number two or the number four. It's all spelled out, twocoolfortabletop.com. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, pretty much any place where you can listen to podcasts. Um, and on Twitter, I am TCFT Podcast. I don't know if you can hear my dogs fighting in the background of this, but they're fighting right now. Um, anyway, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's TCFT Podcast. Um, starting in January, we're releasing an episode every Monday. 
and my dogs are barking really loud right now, so I apologize uh, about that. That's but, all good. I've been yeah, I've yeah. been dealing with my cat this entire episode. Gotcha. Well, I feel like sometime in the future we've got to see the further adventures mm-hmm. of Gareth Agora. I, I want to see what happens with this guy. I agree. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast having you. Yeah, I'm man. Gonna throw Thanks it for back. having me. I'm going to throw it back to me in the future so that he can wrap things up. Cool. Uh, future me, why don't you take this one? Thanks, Past Me. And a super, super thank you to Jason Ashley for coming on the show. Be sure to check out Too Cool for Tabletop. It is a super fun show. Meanwhile, if you like this show, consider giving us a review on iTunes. iTunes reviews go a long way towards helping people find the show. Speaking of, special thanks to Dargan Lord, our first reviewer and our first five-star review. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Party of One Pod, and like the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash partyofonepodcast. Party of One Podcast is produced by Jen Frank and Jeff Stormer and edited by Jeff Stormer. All music for the show comes from the song You and Me by Tally Hall. Well, that's it for me, so thank you for listening, and I will see you again down the road.